You found the Michigan Business Network, and this is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verschereau, and so grateful today that we have a chance to visit with somebody I consider a friend and that I'm proud to know, and he's somebody that you probably know as well. He's a 24-year personality on the radio, and today you'll find him on WITL as MJ, and you'll find him over on MMQ as Mojo. His name is Matt Lersh, and we're just glad to have you with us today, Mojo Matt Lersh. Hey, Vic, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm going to be candid right now, Vic. I'm a little nervous only because this is one of the first big-time interviews I've ever done. Normally, I'm on the other end doing it. (laughs) Well, you're very kind, and I have to tell you, what's really exciting to me about this is that probably what makes this a little intimidating is that we're going to be talking about you, and I know that's one of the most uncomfortable situations for me is when somebody (laughs) wants to hear all about me. No, let's talk about you, and so that's what I love. It's kind of reversed a little bit. We're going to be talking about you and trying to figure that all out. But for those that have not aware of your legendary status in terms of your personality and such going on here in mid-Michigan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing, who you're with, and what that looks like? Wow, you're too kind, Vic. Thanks for the kind words. I love doing radio, and I've been in radio for about 24 years here in the market. I had a a couple-year hiatus, and I'm back on the radio doing mornings on Whittle and doing afternoons on MMQ. In my three-year absence from being on the radio, I hosted a podcast, and I really wondered if I ever wanted to go back into radio just because of the way it ended the first time. And after getting in touch with my spirituality more, and through my recovery from alcohol and the things that have happened, not just the past few years, but the entire past five years of my life, you know, things came together and, you know, I had to leave it in his hands, God's hands. And it was one of those amazing things that if I just let things go the way they're supposed to do, things will work out. And there was no stress. There was no pressure. There was no nothing. It was just a great opportunity and the stars aligned. And here we are. We're back on the air having fun. (laughs) And it's so good. I'm sure everybody is excited to have you back. And of course, you know, you do such a good job. And of course, to have you go through that, which was one part radio that's been a tough, tough business Mm -hmm. the last several years as it shifted and changed. And then, of course, to have some personal issues that you've dealt with, which we're going to unpack here as well. Sure. Why don't you take me back to the beginning? Are you a born and raised Michigan guy? All right. So, Vic, I was born in Evanston, Illinois. I'm a diehard Cubs fan. Wow. I'm also. Yeah, right? So I just want to send it out there to the Lions fans, okay? I waited 108 years for a championship. The Lions will get one, too. Do not okay, give so up, hope. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, for me, you know, getting into radio when I was in high school, I was that guy that was so nervous about public speaking, you know. I didn't want to do it. And then I get out of high school and I start studying business. And I'm like, wow, this is something I thought I wanted to do. And growing up in Southwest Michigan, you know, so I moved to Southwest Michigan when I was about four and we grew up down, I did in St. Joe, Benton Harbor area. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, growing up down there, I had Chicago radio to listen to Mm -hmm. and the local stations were good, but big market radio was only 60 miles across the lake. So I'm listening to some of these jocks on the air and I'm thinking, wow, they get paid to do this. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Some of the funny things they would do on the air, they're just getting paid to make people laugh. And I said, I want to do that too. So I get into radio and then I realize the science behind radio and why everything happens the way it does and i was enamored by it i fell in love with it and it's much like a game of football Vic. and you know this you're doing radio football is organized confusion (laughs) it really is if you've ever played the game or if you haven't 
you play the game, you see a play on TV, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I get it. I understand it's organized confusion. It looks like craziness out there. It's the same thing in radio. Everything we do is down to the minute and everything is organized. And it's just a very competitive industry to be in. I'm a competitor and I don't like being in second place, third, fourth, or last. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I think it's really interesting that what inspired you. And I have to ask, was there a certain personality that huh. kind of you look up to that really captured your idea? Yeah, so I used to listen to this guy named Man Cow. He used to be on 103.5 The Blaze in Chicago. Okay. And he had a stunt guy that he named Turd, of all names. Oh and I'm thinking, my God, these guys are getting paid to do this. And some of the bits that they would do, you sit, they, you've done this too, Vic. You sit in your car because something good is going on on the radio that it makes you sit there even longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? don't get out of the car. You're going right. to be late to your appointment because whatever's going on on the radio right now is definitely funny and entertaining. So my goal, I guess, essentially was to get on the radio and make people late for work. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, I got to tell you, I'm really glad you're on right now because there's so much I want to hear about your story. And I think it's fascinating yes, to see some of the journey that you've been on. And that's really what the Leadership Lowdown is all about, is understanding and unpacking the journey that we're all on and trying to pick up maybe some shortcuts along the way. If you've got some, Matt, we surely want to hear all about them. So we're glad you came with us today. We're glad that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Vershero. We'll be right back. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. found the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network, and we found Mojo from WITL as MJ and MNQ as Mojo, and he's a 24-year radio personality, and we're just so great and grateful to have him with us today. So I have to ask you, Mojo, as we talked about your entry into radio, it reminds me of the story. I think his name was Les Brown. Have you ever heard of him? He's a motivational speaker. Oh, I've heard the name and not familiar with Les. Well, though. what's really funny is he's a little bit like you in that he's oh, incredibly talented and he always wanted to get on the air. And he went to the local radio station and all they would let him do is sweep the floor after he bugged him for months and months to hire him. And finally, one he's there sweeping around doing the regular things, cleaning up. And all of a sudden, it became apparent that the local disc jockey was on the air and he was drunk. And oh. so the station owner just called the station and got a hold of Mr. Brown, the young boy. Yeah. And of course he says, listen, you get him out of that studio and all I want you to do is play records till I get there. Do not say a thing. Just put records on and let it go. Do not say anything. Oh. And with that, Les Brown politely escorted the uh, troubled disc jockey outside yeah. He goes inside the studio and clicks 
locks the door, and he turns to the radio, and he says, Hey, it's Les Brown, the world-renowned, the one that you've been waiting to see. And he goes into his whole yes. thing he's been practicing all along. So tell me, your dramatic oh, first time wasn't probably uh, like that, right? That's awesome, man. <laughs> I wish I had a story that awesome. Well, it's um, pretty cool to hear him tell it. But funny, mine's a little bit similar, Vic. <laughs> So when I grew up down in Southwest Michigan, I moved up here when I was 21. So that would have been 95, 96-ish. Yeah, it was 21, 22 when I came up here. My girlfriend was going to Michigan State that I had at the time. I moved up here because I wanted to be closer to her. And then I started going to LCC because I realized, too, when I was in growing up in Southwest Michigan, I was in a band and I loved music and I loved being in front of a crowd which was really different too. That came from the same kid that threw up before public speaking classes in high school. <laughs> and here I'm fronting a band and having a blast. Oh, wow. And then the band kind of dissipated. I wanted to move up here and I did some research on it, found that LCC had a wonderful media technology program at the time. And so I moved up here, started going to school for media technology over at LCC. And my first on-air gig was at 897 FM, WLNZ, Lansing Source for Jazz, Blues, and News. Careful, they're going to turn the channel on us. That was uh, No, but it's just funny because I had to do that. People look at me now, they know me as rock, but I started in smooth jazz. Too funny. <laughs> and now I'm doing country, but then my first commercial gig, I was hired by WMMQ to take transmitter readings. And I was doing transmitter readings one night, and the overnight guy that was supposed to be coming in was a no-show. And I believe that he, too, was having some issues with demons, and he was not able to make it in. So the PD at the time, Bill Elliott, called me up. He says, hey, he's not coming in. You know, you want a shot? Oh, I my said, word. Are you, you this is, this is it? This is the Les Brown story. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't tell me to not say anything. That's the best part. Oh, very want good. A shot? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. And so I did. And the next thing you know, the next morning came around here. I did the six-hour shift and uh, about... 5, 15 in the morning, Deb Hart comes walking in because we're in Tim Barron, we're doing a morning show. And I'm like, oh my God, these are big time stars coming in. Yeah. It turns out about three weeks later, I was headhunted by an alternative station in town at the time, 921 The Edge, and they got me to work weekend mornings. Then I did full-time nights, then I did mornings, and the rest that kind of fell into place. I moved from there to Q106, did uh, 16 years there after seven over there at The Edge, and uh you know, led up to the 23 years, and now here I'm back in, and you're 24. Not bad for a kid whose knees knocked when he had to public speak. Oh. So let me spend a second there with you, if sure. I could, because there's a thing called the Book of List, and in the Book of List, it lists Americans' greatest fears. The number one fear on that list is the fear of public speaking. <laughs> number four on that list is dying. And so the point is, people would rather die than speak in public, really. It's kind of the whole gig on that. So when you think about that, how did you overcome that? I think a lot of people, especially in business, are trying to figure that out because they have to be able to present. They have to be able to be the person on the Zoom meeting, whatever it is. How do you grapple with that? Believe in yourself. I love it. Okay, because nobody else is going to believe in you until you believe in yourself. I think when you have that opportunity, especially when you're speaking to a group of people, they're there to see you. You are the one with the microphone. They want to hear what you have to say. So be confident in what you're sharing because there's a reason why you're there. That's why I'm on your show right now. We're talking about good things, but when you have that opportunity and maybe you're a little bit nervous about doing something like that, 
one thing that I remember, even, you know, I've been in front of crowds that are huge, big, you know, I've been in front of crowds that are, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people with a microphone, no problem. I get on the mic and it's just part of my gig. It's like, give me the mic. I want to talk. Yeah, kind right. of thing now. <laughs> but you do realize that when you have the spotlight, there's a reason why the light is on you and you should definitely be grateful for that, but take advantage of it too and hit it out of the park. Yeah. Well, I love the whole point is that, look, is it something to be terrified of or is it the greatest opportunity in your life to be able to do something extraordinary and try to do what really show people what you're made of inside? Yeah. I love it. Believe in yourself is a great concept, great idea for us to follow. And it's a great opportunity for us to follow you today right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vercherot with Mojo, and we'll be right back after these messages. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero and so grateful to have the time and opportunity to talk to a 24-year radio personality named Mojo. Many of you listen to him on WITL as MJ, and you might be hearing him on WMNQ over there as Mojo. So today we're listening to him as uh, Matt Lurch because he's the guy that's kind of living the life that he's telling us all about. And of course, you know, one of the things that uh, Mojo that we wanted to talk to you about is that I'm curious is I've watched radio. I've been a fan of radio for a long time. I've watched WJR has been one of my favorite oh, parts yeah. of Michigan, mainly because of J.P. McCarthy when I was younger, but then sure. Paul W. Smith down there. And so as I think about some of those amazing personalities that have been in the business, I think the business has changed an awful lot with these types of streaming networks and other things that we're on right now. Oh, absolutely, Vic. You nailed it on the head here. The industry has changed. When I started in this industry back in 96, we used carts. We had reel-to-reels where we recorded phone calls. We played CDs. <laughs> every single segment of every single program was manually done on a soundboard where you had to push buttons. That was part of the intrigue to me when I got into radio, Vic, was, hey, I'm going to make these segues and this show sound as tight as possible. <laughs> and now a computer does it for you. Yeah, right. You just push a button, right? Yeah. All the music's there. Everything's scheduled, ready to go. Same thing we did before. We're just not manually doing anything. And that took a little bit of the luster out of it for me, but I had to adapt and overcome because I like doing the fun stuff, pushing the button. 
buttons and making everything sound really seamless, but now the computer does it. I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me ask this because I'm a novice at this. I have people pushing buttons for me in the studio. So when you're the radio personality at these smaller stations, are you pushing a lot of buttons or is there a production manager that's running the show? No, I'm pushing all the buttons, man. I always have in my career. I've never had a production guy. I've never had a producer. I'm the one that's always pushed the buttons. Wow, uh-huh. how about that? So you got to know what you're doing. you got to make sure you're pushing the right yeah. stuff. And sometimes you push the button that goes live. You ever hit the wrong button? I did it today. Oh, no. <laughs> I sure did, Vic. But you know what? That's the beauty of live radio, though, is that, you know what? If you make a mistake, it goes over there, and people know that you're there live, man. Yeah, right. You're with you them know, in the morning. <laughs> So many stations nowadays, not here locally, but, you know, around the country are voice tracked from people in other markets. And I think that's really a disservice to the industry, but it is what it is. They're not my train sets. I'm just lucky to push the buttons and play with it. I I love it. (laughs) That's great. But the industry, though, overall has gone digital. And coming into this to work here with my friends here at Whittle and MMQ, you know, I knew the digital component coming in. So it wasn't intimidating to me. And I know that I had to write stories and articles every day, substantiate the digital content on our website. So coming into that, I looked at it like this, Vic. You know, when you're writing an article, you're going to write about this, right? And what we're doing here in writing stories and articles and things like that, we're doing our show prep for what we're already going to be talking about on the air anyway. So it wasn't <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no, this is weird. It was like, hey, I'm going to embrace that, know exactly what I'm talking about, and then they can go to the website and get more information. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that's interesting to me is how controversial everything can get today. So radio oh, yeah. itself has changed, but do you feel the audience has changed? Oh, yeah. I definitely feel the audience has changed. I think the audience is still passionate about the radio stations that they listen to. But I think for the real success of the radio stations, Vic, is going to be, what are you doing that sets you aside for music sharing services, man? Because they can go anywhere to get the music that they want. They can go to an app and get the weather. What are you doing in between records that gets people listening to the mm, radio? Yeah, yeah. What sets you apart? Actively listening, right? So it actually yes, goes... Sir. They're not just dragging you along. They're engaged with you. That's probably the big difference and why some people can command a certain rate in the market because they really are engaging and bringing an audience rather than just spinning the records. That's absolutely correct. You know, why not play the best country music or the best classic rock and make people laugh in between songs? That's a recipe for success right there. And I also think that as we continue to go down this road, one of the things that is really beneficial for listeners, I think, is having that digital component. They can correspond with us in the studio in more than one way than just over the phone. So that opens it up to the listeners feel like, hey, we're part of the family, too, and I can reach them anytime. And that's the idea because... (laughs) Any listenership of any radio station, your show specifically too big, they're family, man. And that's the idea. We want to have that family environment accessible to them. I love it. You know, and of course, I know that you probably have a lot of masters to serve in the radio business because you've got the people that own the station and want to make sure Sure. they've got the right listening audience. You've got customers in terms of people that are listening. And then you got customers in terms of people that are paying the bills that for the advertisement is different things. So you've got a lot of different audiences you want to keep happy. And 
Of course, I think just because I feel like I know you pretty well, yeah. it's not that hard for you because it's all about having fun, making people smile, and not really trying to live on the edge, roughing up people. So I love where you're at. Thank you, Vic. You know, like we said before we started talking, man, at the end of the day, we're all just human beings, man. <laughs> you're a human being that I adore, Vic. You know, I like people. I like to be a kind person. Now, early on in my career, I don't know how nice I was all the time on the air because I was young and the ego factory. But <laughs> as I've gotten older, I'm 48 now. I love every single listener we have, and I'm grateful for them because not only are they having a good experience with us, but they're also keeping me employed. I got to tell you, Matt, I'm really grateful for you, and I'm grateful sure. that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verscher, and we're going to go take a quick break and be right back. The workplace keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. DBI helps customers reach their workplace goals, from improving worker effectiveness and innovation to brand expression. DBI is your office furniture partner. Learn more at dbiguess.com. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Bercero and so grateful to have some time with a gentleman we call Mojo. He's a personality on WITL called MJ and he's also over on MMQ which is known as Mojo. So he's got a split personality, which we're loving. <laughs> and so with all of that, he's been a split personality for over 24 years here in the Lansing market. And I have to ask you, you know, you mentioned something about being in front of large crowds. So I've given some motivational speeches along the way and different things. And I'll never forget the first one I gave that was in front of about 3,000 people. I was in the Wharton nice. Center. It was full and the spotlights were on. So, you know, when you're in front of spotlights, you can't see but a few rows out in front of you because you're just blinded. And I'll yeah. never forget, I hit one of my punchlines, and all of a sudden I heard all of this laughter cascading down from the upper deck and the lower deck. I'm like, whoa, you are not alone in Kansas anymore. That's <laughs> I, awesome. I, first time it hit me that, wow, this is big. So, But I know when you started talking about 10, 15, 20,000, tell me about some of those experiences. That if anything makes your knees knock, it seems like that would do it. You know, it's funny, Vic. We talked about that. I was so scared to public speak in high school that I literally would vomit before I had to go to class oh, no. and do a speech about something. And then after I get out of high school, I join a band and I'm like, well, this is fun being on a microphone, singing a band. It's neat. And I start building my confidence up because I'm the one with the microphone. I have the confidence to do this, and right. it worked out well. So here we go. One of the best, I used to emcee the Lansing Lugnuts. I was the on-field emcee down there. That was a lot of fun. I did that from 2000 through 2005. So my responsibilities were to go on field in between innings and do all these fun games to oh. keep the, you know, the crowds entertained and go nuts for donuts or whatever it was. Oh, sure. you know? But I enjoyed that because... As you know me, Vic, and you've gotten to know me, I'm not a scripted guy. You give me bullet points, I'm going to change it up every single time. It's yeah, never going to be yeah. the same. 
So I really enjoyed that. So one night, it was Lugnuts Charities Night down there at the ballpark. And it's a big event that they do every year to raise a ton of money. They auction off like game-worn jerseys, autograph, things like that. And they raise a lot of money for the Lugnuts Charities that they support. And Tom Dixon, the owner of the Lansing Lugnuts, and at the time I had platinum blonde hair. I was Guy Fieri before Guy Fieri was Guy Fieri. <laughs> I was cool before it was cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, here I am, and Tom did not like my hair, and he walks up to me kind of in the tunnel down there by the field, and he says, hey, Mojo, what do you say you shave your head tonight? I'll donate. I said, how much? He said, 500. I said, 1,000 bucks. You got a deal. So he wrote the check right in front of me for $1,000, and then we went up on top of the dugout. Again, this crowd was like... 12,676. Yeah, oh, wow. all that. That's one of the records. Yeah, and it was awesome. And I'm standing there, and Tom Dixon decides to shave my head. Little did he know how to use clippers. He oh. did it backwards. Oh, no. And it was very painful. And I had a live mic on me the entire time. And oh. I just had fun with it. And I was like, wow, I don't know what your day job isn't. You know, <laughs> just doing things like that. But that was a fun crowd to be in front of. MC Midnight Madness for the Michigan State Spartans uh, men's and women's basketball oh, team. Oh, that could get a little crazy. That was so much fun because it was the Motown lowdown was the theme. And I'm standing in the middle of the block S in the middle of the Breslin Center floor. And the spotlight comes on me. And here I am with a four-foot afro because they were trying to make me look taller <laughs> versus the players. And it was awesome. Oh, no. so, and they uh, tried the shoes instead of the hair? They did. Yeah, I didn't get any platform boots. Maybe I should have done that. Maybe like the band Kiss. But it was so much fun. And the best part about being in front of a crowd like that for me it's just getting people riled up, yeah. having fun, putting smiles on faces. People energized. You know, set the table for the event that you're at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know this, Vic. You go out and you speak. And part of the thing that we do when we go to events is we set the table to make sure that everybody has a great time while we're there. And we get that ball rolling. And there's a vibe and there's some energy that they feed off of. And that's our responsibility. And I thrive on that. Well, and look, this may not be as easy as a recipe, but tell me, I've always felt that you have to bring energy to those kind of things. So if you show up and go, well, I'd like to thank everyone for, I mean, wow, wait a minute. No, you've got to bring some energy to lift the room. Are you with me on that? So tell me, when you got to charge up a room, what are you doing? Okay, so here's the thing. I make eye contact. I call people out directly because I bring the energy. You've seen me. You know that I do this. You know, if I feel like something's not happening in a room, because yeah. I do, we should have expectations in life because if we do, then we'll be disappointed. So I try not to have any, but when I go into a room to get them energized, I do have an expectation. And that expectation is from me because if I can walk into a room with a bunch of folks that are kind of, you know, laid back doing their thing and they just get on that mic for five seconds and you see their eyes light up and get motivated, dude, things change. <laughs> it means you've done your job. One example is this. I was a co-chair for the United Way back in, I think it was 2017. And part of what I had to do was go out and speak and do the kickoffs and the wrap-ups and the dinners and the breakfasts and things like that. So we did this thing one night and it was kind of a tough crowd in the room at the Kellogg Center. And I looked at him. This is about the time when that five-gallon bucket challenge, ice bucket challenge. Oh, sure, I remember that. So I looked at the crowd. I said, you guys are a tough crowd tonight. Let's throw some money in this hat. We're kicking off the fundraising, but what a better time to kick off the fundraising right here at the event itself. So let's go ahead and throw as much cash into this hat that you can. So they spent it around. They raised over $1,000, and I had asked the kitchen staff. I said, go into the back and find five gallons of any condiment that you want and bring it out here, and I'll pour it in on myself. 
Okay. So I'm thinking, my, yeah. So he comes back up and he says, we have mustard. I said, that'll do. So I'm about ready to do this thing. Then the Kellogg Center's management were like, yeah, probably not a good idea. That could be a liability thing. And I said, okay, no problem. So we raised all this money, right? So what I did was the next day I worked with my friend, Jesse over at Reno's, and I got a five-gallon bucket of pickle juice. Yes. Then I went over to the Cavalaria United Way's headquarters and filmed me doing it right in front of their doorstep, man. And, you know, those are the things that get people excited because if you can showcase yourself a little bit, maybe step out of your comfort zone a little bit and make it cool, people might be a little more inclined to donate and get excited about an event too because they're seeing you step out of something and do something cool and they want to be a part of it too. I love it, Mojo. And it's all about a great cause. and It's all about stepping out and living on the edge and doing some of those fun things to bring a smile to somebody's face. And you're bringing a smile to our face, Mojo. We're so glad you're here, right here on the Leadership Lowdown, right here on the Michigan Business Network. We'll be right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. This is the Michigan Business Network, and right now, today, we're having a lot of fun talking with Mojo of WITL and WMNQ, Lansing Stations right here, a longtime personality on the radio throughout the mid-Michigan area. And of course, you know, when I think about some of the success that you've had, some of the smiles you've brought along the way, every once in a while, I know that deep within you, there's some issues that maybe it isn't all fun and games. And uh, so you hit a wall at one point in time and you're willing to share it because I think others can benefit from your story. So tell us about where you were at and what was going on. You got it, Vic. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about these issues with you. You know, life in radio is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun and games, lots of smiles, lots of laughter. Just to give you a little background about me, I am a recovering alcoholic. I just celebrated five years on September 4th, but the only day that matters is today because this is the only day that we got. And although that's a nice mark to be proud of, and I am, the only day that matters is today. So I work hard every day and I stare my demons down in the corner. I pray regularly throughout the day and certainly give my thanks and gratitude for where I'm at in my life. Because when I was five years old, I witnessed my mom pass away in front of me. I started kindergarten a week and a half later. There was no Ellie's Place back home where I was. And Ellie's Place, if you're listening to this right now, Ellie's Place in East Lansing, Michigan, if you have suffered a loss in your family, and your kids need some help, reach out to Ellie's Place. Because I'm here to tell you, therapy can help a kid. Therapy can help anybody. And it's okay to ask for help. We are so trained in this world and in this country specifically, Vic, that asking for help is weak. Yeah. That's a problem. So fast forward, I'm having a great radio career. You know, I get married. I have a wonderful, at the time, you know, we're a good couple. Our family, my wife, who's now ex-wife, we have a beautiful son together. Yeah, my alcoholism caught me and I hit rock bottom. And as I watched my life fall apart because nobody else's fault but me, I realized that I had the problem. 
And well, I Mojo, help. there was some signs leading up to that. I'm sure some of the people that loved you back in those days, oh yeah, probably Looking enablers, but they were also trying to stop you too, weren't they? You know what? And because of my alcoholic mindset, I can remember hearing people say that to me. You need, please get help. You know, you may have an issue here. Please get help. And I would just shrug it off like, no, no. But you've been signed now. I know I did. I wasn't honest with myself. And that's part of alcoholism. And right. I lied to myself every single day, think I could do this and get away with it, blah, blah, blah. You know, and the funny thing about it was my ex-wife, you know, when she left me, I said, you know, I never cheated on you. I never did this because I'm trying to make excuses. I'm trying to manipulate her to come back with me, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what we do. Well, she said one thing to me. She says, you did cheat on me when you were hiding in the garage drinking. Mm. And that hit me hard. So I started doing the work. I attended AA. My sobriety anniversary is September 4th. That was my first meeting ever. And I went to the meeting. I fell in love with AA. My first meeting was extremely scary to me because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of myself. And by the end of the first meeting, I realized after sitting around that table and it came to me that their stories are just like mine and I'm not alone. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it made me feel better, but it made me realize, okay, I understand that other people are like me. Cause you know, you get in this zone where it's like, Hey, it was just me. So you fast forward through AA. I'm doing AA. They just say do 90 meetings in 90 days. I think I had 120 in 90 days. Vic. But the thing about it was Vic, is that I was speaking the speak and the language, but I wasn't doing the work. Mm. And that's when I found out that every rock bottom has a basement. Oh, my. So, you know, as I'm working through life and trying to do the right thing, develop spirituality, speaking the language of AA, again, I wasn't doing the work because I hadn't turned my will over to my higher power and said, I believe that you can restore me to sanity. I kept putting my will in front of his thinking I'm the one that could do it. Mm. And so that led me to a suicide attempt. And that was February 25th, 2018. I tried to take my life because I believed honestly that I was doing everybody in my life a favor. I was that sick that I'm seriously looking and thinking about everything I'm about to do and even acknowledge that my son was the same age that I was when my oh. mom died. And I really, truly believed because I was that sick that I was doing him a favor. So first responders from Lansing Fire Department and the LPD came, kicked my garage door in. I was already out. They had to bag me, got me to Sparrow, um, and I called all my family in to say goodbye to me. They didn't think I was going to live. And I wake up from medically induced coma. And I was pretty angry, Vic, that I was still alive. So they put me right back out. And the next time I woke up, I was in a step-down unit. And my son's laying on my chest. And that's when it hit me. I almost. It sounds like you found the basement. Oh, I was swimming in the basement, man. And when my son's laying on top of me, watching Paw Patrol, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm I not am. a huge fan. Of, <laughs> I don't like that song. But at the time, man, he's laying on me watching it. Yeah. My favorite sound. And it hit me. Wow. I almost did the same thing to him that happened to me. Shame on me. So I went away for a little bit, went to Pine Rest in Grand Rapids. I was there for a week and they said, okay, you can go. I said, I want to stay a couple more days, man. And I did. And I'm really proud of where I'm at right now in my life because I learned coping skills. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, Vic, you know, people leave things that we're able to take and put in our own bag. 
Okay. Anytime that you're in a group of people, somebody's going to share something with you that is new to you. Yep. And it may benefit you. Pick it up off the table and put it in your pocket. It could be a coping skill. It could be something spiritual to help you get through something. Because for me, the only way I can get through life nowadays, my man, is with my spirituality. Back. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that I connect. And I have that conscious contact with my heart. Well, power and that is God. What a powerful story. What a powerful uh, situation that you've been through. And so grateful that you're on this side of it, Mojo. So grateful you're willing to share that story. I'm humbled and honored that you joined us here on Leadership Lowdown. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown. Wow, we just had a powerful segment. That last segment as Mojo was sharing some of the story of some of the deepest and darkest lows. And of course, you know, one of the things that Mojo, you mentioned in the early segments is believe in yourself. And there is a little bit of the issue of believing in yourself so much that you don't ask for help. And so tell me your thoughts on that, because you've got to be humble enough to be able to say, you know what, I think I need help. You know, Vic, boy, you nailed that. Yeah, you got to ask for help. I didn't ask for help, and you just heard what happened. And I'm beyond grateful to be on this planet, to be able to share my story, to be able to help other people and empower other people to seek that help when needed. Incidentally, I do want to give out the National Suicide Prevention and Crisis Lifeline. That is 988. It's awesome now they have three number that you call 988. But you talked about that that self-confidence, man. I lost all my self-confidence. I stopped believing in myself. And once I sought help, things changed. And it's okay to ask for help. Shake the stigma. And it's okay to not be okay. We got to remember these things, Vic. But shaking that stigma and thinking that I'm weak, I can't do this, I have no self-confidence, I'm not going to be able to ask for help, please do so, I beg of you. In my Facebook page, if you don't mind me giving it out too, um, you can find me on Facebook, it's M-O space J-O, M-O space J-O. You'll see a funny picture with me in front of a city man marquee, that's me. Hit me up, I will be your friend, and if you ever need anything and you're in a time of need feeling like you have hit rock bottom and maybe you're tempting you're looking into that basement and call me or drop what I'm doing and be there right there for you. Well, I just love it. And I think, you know, somebody once said to me, I've had uh, in my lifetime within the last three years, I've had three different strokes and I'm praise the Lord. I'm still uh, not broken Amen. enough that I can't keep moving. But somebody said to me, if you're still here, God's not done. And so I just think that there's so much to be said about the fact that you had a chance to wake up with your son on your chest. That's pretty cool to be able to know, hey, here's your calling card. My God, Vic, yes. Can I share one more thing then? Because you just hit something right on the head, man. Please. When I went to Pine Rest, the first people I wanted to meet with were the chaplains. Because I was struggling. You know, obviously my spirituality hadn't grown to where it needed to be. 
it was in development here. I was lying to myself saying it was there and it was that. So I asked them, I said, hey, why am I still here after I've done this? And they looked at me and they straight up said, he needs you here to do his work. And that's when it hit me, man. Everything I do in my life is to better my community, whether it be on the radio or not. I'm always going to be there in my community because that is what my job is here on this planet. That will be done and I will continue to do this. Man, that's good stuff. And I have to tell you, that when you think about whether it's your son watching you or whether it's others that are struggling or whatever it is, people in your sphere, being able to see somebody that says, hey, I've been to the darkest low you can imagine, and I've been in a coma, self-induced. Are you kidding me? You're having a bad day? Come on. Let's walk through this together. And that's that's such a powerful thing. What I love about this, Mojo, is the whole notion that, look, we all struggle. Come on. Everybody's got something they're dealing with, and everybody, if we can reach out and grab a hand and lift everybody, I love the notion that we can do it together. And what concerns me the most about suicide issues is that it's so darn irrational. Because when you step back and you hold that little five-year-old boy or whatever it is, and you think to yourself, boy, this makes sense that I'm going to take my life. Wow. Under what dark cloud would that ever make sense? Well, that's mental health. That's mental illness. That's exactly what it is. It's being sick. You know, and I want to make sure we clarify one thing here. If somebody dies by suicide, they did not commit suicide. Commits insinuates they did something wrong, and it's a crime. When somebody dies by suicide, they died because they were very sick in their head. They were mentally ill. And I think it's really important that we shake that stigma, too, because, you know, I can tell you right now, Vic, when I was in the position I was, man, I really believed everything that I was doing was for the right reason. Yeah, right. And I was definitely sick. Yep. So let's make sure that we extend our hands to the people we love. Let's keep an eye on the people that we know and we love. And we notice something different about them and they're acting peculiar. Have the courage to say something. Have an awkward conversation. Make it uncomfortable. Get to it. Peel back the onion. Help them. So you don't have that opportunity. Hopefully not. Where you say, I wish I would have. I have to tell you, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure, Vic. Well, it's been our pleasure. I've been taking notes and wiping away tears here. Just really grateful for you. So grateful that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network and the Leadership Lowdown. And so grateful that Matt Lurch, commonly known to most of us as either MJ on WITL or Mojo over at WMNQ, I encourage you to tune in because he's got a lot to say. You'll have an awful lot of fun. But most importantly you'll understand the kind of guy that wants to make a difference in his community. He's got a lot more work to do because he's still here, and we're glad he is. We're glad you're here, and we thank you for tuning in. All the best. We'll talk to you next time.